Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Whoa! Coach! Pretty spiffy there. What's the occasion? It's only my wedding day. Some cologne, please? You heard from Irene, Coach? Well, not for a while, but you're not supposed to see the bride before the ceremony anyway, are you? No, but you're supposed to know whether or not she's in the country, at least. Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me once again for the second part of this two-part episode is John Thurman from the HR Social Hour podcast. Welcome back, John. It's great to be back. Has it been a week already? <laughs> it feels like it was only two minutes, but <laughs> I'm sure for the listeners it was longer than that. Um, we, Since we already heard your origin story with Cheers last time, we are going to dive right in uh, with the Season 3 Episode 7, Coach in Love Part 2. This episode, again, written by David Angel, directed by Jim Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November 15th, 1984. Sam comes in bearing another personal item he thinks belonged to Diane, a sexy negligee purchased at a store called the House of Ulala. Diane is repulsed by the garment and the insinuation that she would ever wear such a thing, so instead Sam gives it away to Carla, who treasures the item. Meanwhile, it's been weeks since Coach got engaged to Irene and since she won the lottery. In all that time, he has barely seen her. Irene, though, has postponed the wedding three times and moved without telling Coach her new address. Coach is in complete denial that anything is wrong, and when Sam tries to convince him that Irene has moved on without him, Coach deflects Sam by asking him to be his best man. Irene comes to the bar to see Coach, telling him how much her life has changed since she became wealthy. The most notable change is what she wants out of life, and she tells Coach that she cannot marry him. Coach refuses to accept the breakup, telling Irene that she's just going through a process of adjustment to her new status. He tells her that the wedding date is fixed, and on that day he will be waiting for her. Irene kisses him and says goodbye forever, but Coach still won't accept it. On what would be the day of the wedding, Coach arrives in his tuxedo, despite not hearing from Irene. Sam calls her daughter, Sue, hoping she can get through to Irene. Sue tells Sam that Irene is now living with a wealthy European on the beaches of Corfu. Coach still won't accept it and waits for Irene until closing time. Just before they leave, the phone rings. Coach picks it up and tells Irene, assuming that it's her on the other end, that she's better off with her new life and the relationship is over. All right, John, what did you think of the conclusion to Coach in Love? Well, as much as we love Coach, we certainly see that being as pure of heart as he is, it's extremely misguided. <laughs> uh, you know, and the heart wants what the heart wants, and but his heart was just blind to, blind to reality, sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that ending was was quite poignant and hey let's go get some pizzas and he does answer that phone and then it rings again and i love the fact they just let it ring and they walked out that was a 
a, a really fit. You know, he finally was there and, and knew that it was it wasn't going to work. Probably a little heartbroken and, and a little hurt, but better off in the big picture. Yeah, this episode certainly wasn't as funny as the previous episode or as, as other episodes. I mean, there weren't as many jokes. This one leaned much more on the drama and and a lot of it based on, you know, Coach's complete unwillingness to accept the reality of the situation. And it's painful to watch him. I mean, up to the point where Diane, who has supported him throughout most of this, at the end, Diane has to scream in his face. She has to start to go, Coach, will you face fat? Will you wake up? And and everybody's like, all right, all right, calm down, calm down. But it's it's oh god, it's kind of painful to see him just going through this because we love Coach so much. But you're right when it when it comes down to the the finale. I think we just gotta we gotta get to that part. The that little concluding moment. When I was younger, I didn't like it. I, I and I'll say. I didn't get it. I don't think I understood or I was mature enough to know what they were going for. I was much more like Sam in that scene where the ambiguity bothered me. Where I was like, well, wait a minute. He didn't actually hear her voice. What if she was calling to say, I'm taking you back or or, I love you or something like that? Why don't you pick up the phone when it rings the second time and find out? Why don't... You know, just find out for sure. Why why don't you? And and it kind of bothered me. And this time, you know, watching it again, I, it, it finally clicked, and I understood the thing that Diane knew in that moment, which was that Coach needed the Coach needed that moment. That wasn't for Irene; that was for himself. He needed to be able to tell her so that he w- he wasn't the one who like pined over her and never got that. Clo- he needed the closure. It, right, this this right. was all about Coach having closure, and this was his way of sparing his own heart by doing the right thing and saying you're better off with that man. Um, regardless of who was on the other end of the phone, it, that didn't matter. He needed it to be Irene in that moment. So when Sam is like, why don't we just pick up the phone and find out Diane's the one who stops him and she says it was her. And then he kind of gets it. It clicks. He's like, you're right. Yeah. This is this is for Coach. Uh, so when, when I finally got that, then I was like, oh, this is a great moment. I love this. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So then, let's backtrack then to the to the beginning of the show. Um. We get we get our teaser, uh, which is just Sam and Carla, and Carla's you know following one of like those you know National Enquirer whatever like trashy scandal magazines or something, and Sam is kind of giving her grief for that, and she's like you know she doesn't read it for the article, she does it because of the crossword puzzle that jumbles or something like that, but all of the answers are based on their crazy conspiracy theory. Yes. Like I'm trying to think, like what is like a um, five-headed go, five-headed cow born in Vermont or something? Maybell, like Maybell, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then the whole thing is like Sam just can't believe that until she like one of the clues is about an aphrodisiac found in the home or something, and in then the all of a sudden, oh, the kitchen always yeah. found in the kitchen is oregano, <laughs> yeah. oregano. And all of a sudden, what? like Sam very subtly writes that down. It's like a, no, he's, yeah, so. Then, after the credits, we get... This is the thing that the Cheers always did whenever they had a two-parter. They always come up with some kind of inventive way of doing the previously on. This time, we get a series of five exterior shots of the whole I love this. Of their characters. I love yeah. this. And, this. and we get basically the characters coming home after their days, talking to somebody in their life. 
And just sort of bits and pieces recapping what went on the previous episode. So we start with Norm, and he's talking to somebody that we would assume is Vera, and he's being very lovey-dovey. He's like, hi, honey, I missed you. I haven't, I've been thinking about you all day and everything, and starts giving a little bit of information about what has been going on. And then we hear the bark, <laughs> the barking of a dog, and he's like, shh, you're going to wake up Vera. We find out he's been talking to a dog the well, entire time. I think we should also note that he cracks a beer. Yes, he does like, when he gets home. Like, I, I, I'm working under the assumption that, that, that there, this is in the – like, it's dark in the shots. Is it is it after closing time? I, I can't imagine – well, I can't imagine Norman having a beer at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> but some of these other things, like time wise, is it is it that late? Like you know, I just kind of wonder how that worked. But yeah, the fact that yeah that that reveal in that moment that he's not talking to Vera was just priceless. And you know what? I forgot that beer for his tab, so I'm going to add that to his tab for the episode. <laughs> well, I don't know. He didn't drink it at the bar, but yeah, I mean, but he well, just, I'm, I, the, I'm thinking. Yeah, Whoa. the tab the tab isn't just like how much he has oh, to pay enough. for. It's 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 more of like what we see or hear him consume. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's great. And yeah, the the reveal that he's not talking to Vera because once Vera's like normally you, he's like ah, oh. of course he has a climate. Oh, um, she's not in a chatty mood. Yeah. <laughs> Then we get Carla's apartment, and she's talking to her oldest boy, Anthony, um, who basically had to like watch the, the the rest of the kids and everything like that. She she's like, "Where are the kids? Oh, they're in the locked in the closet." That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how he's taking care of. He's locked them in the closet. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Um, then we get to Cliff's house, and we get the the play a little bit of continuity from just a very recent episode, because only a couple episodes ago we found out that Cliff lives with his mother. Right. Um, and here he's he's talking to uh, essentially Ma Clavin. Um, it's noted that uh, well, she the, the, uh, none of the none of the voices that we hear in this little section are credited. So I don't know who did the voice of Anthony in the Carla part. Um, I don't know who does the voice of Ma Clavin. I do know that it's not um, it's not Frances Sternhagen who played uh, Esther Clavin in the right. rest of the series. Right. It's not that same woman. Um, and and from him actually we get more of the. Um, from Cliff, we get actually most of the the recap of what's been going on in the previous episode. His is the most expositional because he's having a dialogue with somebody who wants to know how his day was. And, you know, did he meet any girls and everything like that? And he, he kind of talked a little bit. And but, they're eating gooseberry pie. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, when are you, <laughs> like, you going to take me to, to Cheers and everything like that? Yeah, I, I don't remember what is that, but he like says he mutters something under his breath to kind of blow her off or something yeah, like that. Right, and he's like, "Yeah, as soon as I fix the car, ma." Yeah. Um, then we cut to outside of Diane's apartment, and Fraser calls. So we hear them talking. Now, again, this is it's Kelsey Grammer, but he his part is uncredited too, and his part is weird because he's basically calling. For like phone sex, he's like, like a, you would have thought it was Sam. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like he's like doing like a heavy breathing, asking her what she's wearing and everything, and and she's like, Fraser, I'm not interested. He's like, I'm not Fraser. I'm not like trying to do some kind of weird sexual role play thing. I was like, really? This is what Fraser and Diane do when they're separate. Wouldn't have pegged that, but uh, then yeah. So Diane is basically most interested in the fact that uh, that Sam has been striking out. Uh, with uh, with uh, Sue and everything like that, so she's she's taking more joy in his misery. And then the last one, we find Sam's bachelor pad, and he's got nobody to talk to, but he turns on the Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah, he's just watching TV. So, 
So when, once we get back to the episode, he shows her the outfit that he thought was Diane's. He takes it out, and it's this nice, revealing net teddy. And she, her response is like, is that for wearing or signaling aircraft? <laughs> yeah, that the House of Ooh-la-la. I mean, come on. that That is a great... That's just a great store name. That that beats Fredericks and some of those other places they ever had. But yeah, House of Ooh La La. It's because he's like, I thought you always shopped at those fancy French places. <laughs> and she's like, the House of Ooh La La. That's French to you. And then once he gives it to, to Carla, she's like, wow, the House of Ooh La La. <laughs> and and I, I, I like she's uh, – Diane's got a great line. Which one of these bimbi do you think this yeah. belongs to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the plural form of people. Oh, yeah. uh, I love that. Yeah. So yeah, so then like coach comes in and everything. They're they're talking, um, and you know Sam has to basically follow him into the hallway by the te- by the payphone to kind of confront him and talk, get some more information about Irene and how he hasn't been seeing her. And you know, uh, coach asks Sam to be his best man. He's like, of course. He acknowledges just have to clear it with Irene. She's like, why would she care? It's like, well, no, it's her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did Sue say if, if Sam was there? Like, she was like, oh, "You're a sniper." I, I love that. I love that, that in that whole time too, when they're trying to reason with him, and like she moved and didn't give you her new address. <laughs> yeah. She's been busy, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. And then later on, that comes back because when Coach shows up at the tuxedo, it's like it's my wedding day. It's like you heard from Irene. It's like no, but you're not supposed to talk to the bride before the wedding. It's like, <laughs> right? No, but you're supposed to know if she's in the country. <laughs> Which, by the end of the episode, we find out she wasn't. She's now in, like, one of the Greek islands. Yes. Actually, that that was some um, something else that I only realized when I was – or I, it, it kind of, like, dawned on me. I never – I never clicked on it before. Like, well, one of the things when you're when you're watching these episodes and you have to scrutinize them a little more harshly for the sake of of analysis in the podcast, it didn't click to me. Like, throughout this episode, Coach is in complete denial of his situation with Irene. Sam is also in denial about Sue, and like, he keeps like even when he calls her to basically get her to find out like what's going on with Irene and everything, he can't help it. Before he starts getting down to business, he has to flirt with her and ask her out. Right. And couldn't and like every time she like, you know, like uh deflects him or whatever, he like he turns it into some childish insult or something like he's a little kid. Um which he does that for Norman Cook. I was saying that th- yeah, thankfully we see that that that's a character trait that's portrayed throughout, right? I mean, I mean we talked earlier about couldn't really remember him being blown off too many times but when he is like you said it is a production and he cha- he chases that he chases that person with that much more fervor because he, he exactly. just can't have them yeah exactly um and yeah when he's like oh, so what do you we want to do dinner today he's like well yeah i don't want to do dinner with you because i don't <laughs> right. what do you think about that and norman clifford like put teasing each other like, yeah good way to go he's like how about a drink he's like well joke's on you because i don't drink <laughs> But yeah, just the fact that he is completely unwilling to accept the fact. I was like, boy, the the guys at Cheers have blind spots for these Blanchard women. It's like they, they're in complete denial of how these ladies feel. When Irene shows up and they start, they have that heart to heart. And and she talks about money changes people. I'm going to go back to this $2 million, which <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is in modern money. But you're telling me you win the lotto? And you get to go to the governor's house for dinner. Like, it, it just seems like some of the things that happen to her are so, I don't want to say extreme, but they seem extreme to me. And again, I know I know we're not 
we're not supposed to think this stuff about about it too hard. But how in the world in that literally that couple weeks, just like they fell in love. Coach at least was totally in love with her in three weeks together. In the next week or two, she buys a new house, moves you know moves into a bigger place, and somehow ends up you know dining with rich other rich people. Like how does that work? Yeah, she, she ended up with like some like European industrialist. Yeah. Whatever. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's clearly like that that winning that that lottery ticket spun her off into an entire like not just a new status, but like an entire life and, and a social circle that it was just yeah it certainly propelled her pretty quickly but yeah again that's sort of for the sake of the show kind of just have to accept that um but i'm glad she also acknowledged while she you know she doesn't come off like a a real star she at least you know acknowledges that money has changed it and hey i was married to a good man and now i've got money and i gotta go do so i want to go see the world mm-hmm. right and trying trying to let coach down as best she can give her a little bit of credit for that but again you do have to wonder how how serious was she before if again that that bit of money changed changed her perspective that much glad she did it but wow was she really was she that interested in coach after right all? right you gotta think like that she just would have been she would have been content with him if that's all she thought that she would have if she just thought that that would be her life as you know a woman in her fifties or sixties, if that was basically how the rest of her life was going to play out, but once the, these new doors are open, uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, when when they're having their little heart to heart, and he's saying, you know, money hasn't changed me, and right. and he, <laughs> of course, had no access to it, but he's yeah. also, I mean, you you do get the impression that like if they got married he would still come he would still work at the bar like he he doesn't want to change he has no interest in really changing his his station in life other than having you know a, a warm body and a, a, somebody who loves waiting for him at home and everything and and she she's yeah she's very upfront she's like that's not what i want anymore um now that i have you know the opportunities to have something else so uh it, it's sweet and again it's it's that kind of painful to watch because you're looking at him and you're like you don't don't throw your heart at this woman she's not reciprocating and and when she apologizes he's like there's nothing to apologize for because this isn't you this is the money and he's giving her every opportunity and it's just going to get thrown back in his face and it's it hurts um when, when he comes back in the, the later scene when he's wearing his tux and Sam, and Sam puts this cologne on him, which clears out everybody else at the bar. Like, and Sam even like smells. He's like, what, what is this stuff? They're like, why, why is it having that reaction? Yeah. And um, it was funny you know, to, to be their wedding day. My assumption was, were they getting married at Cheers? It wouldn't be the first or last. I mean, you know, no, but <laughs> no, no decorations, no, no minister, no nothing. <laughs> Obviously, no bride. But it was kind of funny. He came in all decked to the nines, but nothing else was. And he didn't. That didn't seem to be a concern. He was just kind of waiting on her. Mm-hmm. And I've brought this up before when it comes to Coach, but one of the first seasons of the series, we saw his daughter. Like that was the the heart of that episode was his daughter Lisa. Yep. And I was thinking, okay, they couldn't get the actress back or they didn't think she it, it needed her to be back. But, like, it's his wedding day. Did he invite her to the wedding? Like, I mean, if he went there assuming he was getting married that day, you don't think he would have brought her along or asked her to come visit or something like that? And then I, I kind of sort of made it work where 
maybe she did show up later on and she waited at the bar with him for like the hours in between that we don't see but before closing she was like this is a lost cause I gotta go back to the hotel or wherever she was staying or something like that and maybe she had talked to Sam or Diane at the bar and they kind of warned her off you know who knows I think she was filming Moonlighting at that point, wasn't she? The actress was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she would have been. So, yeah, she, I'm sure she was She was busy. Probably couldn't get the time off from, uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but the guy who played Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Curtis Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. Well, I love, so the, you know, we get to the wedding day, and obviously she's not there, and I love that, you know, we talked earlier about Sam chasing Sue calls her, and they have that back and forth, but then she even agrees with Sam that her mother has made this terrible mistake. Mm-hmm. And that, that was nice. That was nice to know, but I love that, you know, she's apparently now engaged to a rich guy in Corfu. And I, I believe it's cliff that says that's the poor man's Pensacola. <laughs> yeah. That's a great line. <laughs> that's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, right. Well, how many times do you hear Corfu? I, yeah. I know the name. I had to go look it up. I really didn't know where it was, but I, you know, you hear that. I think of Tahiti and some of these other, you know, tropical ports. But Corfu is such a specific, almost like like that'd be uh, the Onassis's or something would right, be there. Right. You know, yeah. Like Sam, even when he's re- repeating it, he's like, "Yeah, she's she's with some rich guy in Corfu, Corfu. wherever that is." Like Sam <laughs> right. doesn't, doesn't even know where. It is, but yeah. Like, and I actually, I, I actually had to do a double take because when Cliff compares it to Pensacola, I'm like. Wait, is there a Corfu in Florida? I was like, no, there's not. It's like it's in the Mediterranean. It's like so, <laughs> but and then like at the end when it's just Sam and Diane and Coach sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring and and they're like, let's go out and get a pizza or something. He's like, no, pizza can't keep you warm at night. Well, I guess maybe it can, <laughs> like, but you can't crawl into bed with a pizza. Well, I guess maybe. You can. <laughs> Can't kiss a pizza. <laughs> and, then, and then he starts to, well, they're like, we get it, we get it, we get it, let's, let's get out of here, so. And then, yeah, the, the the final thing, like, when the phone rings and everything, they're about ready to leave, he's basically given up, and then the phone rings, like, boy, life with that woman ain't easy, or, or ain't, ain't boring. <laughs> well, and again, you know, so we, he tells somebody what he thinks, and wishes her well, and then rings again, and we, we, we see the fade out, which, again, I thought was a, a great way to end, mm-hmm. tie up that ending. If it wasn't Irene, it was somebody very confused on the right. other end of the line, and that's well, probably why they called back 10 I'm seconds. I'm glad, later. though, it was not one of those where it cut to somebody else, Norm, Carla, somebody calling and saying, like, what the hell was that all about? I'm glad it wasn't that. Yeah. It needed to be yeah, you're right. that closure, and mm-hmm. that would have been a little too shticky, I think. Right, and again, like, when I was, when I was younger, probably the first time I saw this episode, I... I, maybe I would have been happy with that. I would have like, to, to get the sense of finality and the ambiguity just bothered me like the first right. time. But now, like all the for for whatever reason, the first time when I saw this, I was like, I got what Diane understood. I was just like, yes, it's the closure that he needs. He needs to be able to tell somebody what he how he's like how he's feeling about Irene, and he needs to salvage his his own heart and give her away with his blessing. And then, yeah, and and just that little shared moment when when Diane is able to communicate that truth to Sam, and he gets it, and then they kind of look at each other and they do that, isn't it romantic? And they kind of sing that as they're walking up the stairs after coach. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's a it's a very kind of sweet and also you know heartbreaking finale, and I mean, I think all the more so knowing in advance that 
this will be Coach's final season in the show. He's not going to survive this season. Um, and and really, this is his last big, you know, part where he's at the center of the action. So, right. yeah, it's 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 rougher to just kind of I I have sort of have that that own little doomsday clock over all of these episodes. So, F- closing thoughts on Coach as a character in general. Again, I think the these this storyline in particular was very solid and and while again we have to kind of throw away some of the how do they get attached so quickly to forget so quickly some of those things but again he he just comes off as just such a good guy mm-hmm. and, and and again earnest and loving and tender and yeah like you said charm charms her charms her socks off when they meet and and then is so convinced you know he that thunderbolt really hit him because he <laughs> was he was so set on them being together and it, it is, it's absolutely heartbreaking when he makes that, he answers that call, whoever it is, and just lays lays out what he lays out to her. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is one of those where he just, he just nailed it. Yep. He absolutely nails it. And you, you, it's tender and sad and caring, but then, and, but he still does silly things too. And, you know, it's simple. Simple is not the right word. I don't know what it is. I mean, for what, what the way he plays it is, but it's just, it's flawless. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost this you know hyper hyper literal <laughs> quality. Like where he takes everything. And there is it's a it's not necessarily simple. There's something inherently childlike about him. Yes, um, in that he's got a child's trust, a child's sincerity, a child's love. Um, and yeah, yeah. So again, not the this second part certainly not the funniest. There isn't as many like standout ha ha moments. Um, but I, I would trade, uh, you know, a dozen jokey lines for, you know, the, the moments when coach is really being sincere in the moment and, and giving a, the dramatic beats that Nikki Calasanto was capable of, uh, cause they're miraculous. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, for like the little known facts, we do got the, those exterior shots of the characters' homes, uh, for Norm's tab, th- thank you for reminding me of the one that we, we don't see, but we only hear that. Um, I, I, even though it's not in Cheers, I'm going to count it uh, as him having three beers this episode, which takes him up to 214. Um, employee of the week, same as last week. I've got Coach again, yeah, for the same reasons. See, it's funny. I thought a little bit about this, Ryan, and I, I'll tell you where for me on this one, it's Diane, mm. and I think it's because she, at the at the outset she's so so wrapped up in him and oh it's so great that coaches you know coach is happy and coaches you know he, he you know his heart's in the right place and and then she just snaps when <laughs> when she finally re- and she's like coach wake up and smell the car that just I, and and then at the end to 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 get them out of the bar and and to get you know to shuttle them off the way she does I, that I, she just won this one for me with that in the way she handled that, but that transition from so supportive to like, you're being an idiot. <laughs> get, get your head out of your ass. What are you thinking? And then, you know, and given it, Hey, he needs that. That's who it was. That's who it was. Let's get out of here. I, I thought a lot about it, but I really did like how she picked it up. Yeah. And, and, and shepherded that through. Yeah. That was a good call. Yeah. Uh, what about your home run, your favorite moment or the best gag? You know, I I, got, I think it's the opening, or with you know, with the 
probably at Norm's house. <laughs> but I, I just, I really do. I, and, and then uh, Frazier talking dirty. Like I thought that that open was just really clever. And I, I loved all that exposition previously, instead of that previously on cheers, like everybody else would do. Hey, let's hit all the big beats. Everybody knows what's going on. And then we, bang right into the show so I, I really really like that open a lot i do too i was actually just thinking of that too i was i was like maybe i could add that one because for like that little for give it for it's doing the job of giving expository information it's basically the, the whole job of that little segment is to tell us what happened last week but through that it's really giving us a ton of information about the characters in parts of their lives that we never see, which is them away from the bar, them at their right. homes. Um, we And we're at a remove. We only see from the outside. So, I mean, they're not going to build new sets for all of these characters. Um, but in some ways, that's a little bit more kind of inviting. We just get these little, brief little teasers, uh, and we see who they care about, who is waiting for them when they go home, who are they talking to, what are they talking about. For, for Norm, of course, you know, he would rather he's, – he's so much more affectionate – at home with the dog, than dog. Vera, to the to the point where he's mad that she woke up when he got home. Um, Cliff, we know that he's with his mo- mom. Um, you know, for Carla, it's all about her kids. And are they really as crazy hellions as we as we've been led to believe? Kind of. It certainly sounds well, like that from the oldest boy. At least according to Anthony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Diane and Frazier, okay, engaging in this, you know, sexual role play, phone sex thing going on. That's interesting. And then Sam, ultimately, Sam's alone. He's a bachelor. He doesn't, he, he's going home to the Stooges, um, which is a joke that will come back like later on with the, with, uh, the Rebecca years. I know that they, they play up something yeah. with his fan of the, of the Three Stooges. So, I, yeah, I agree. That one, that one might be might be my favorite moment. If there's another home run for this episode, I think it would just be the the closer with uh, when when Coach picks up the phone and and speaks his heart and kind of that moment, and then how how Diane and Sam respond. So it's either the first three minutes of the episode <laughs> or the last three, but <laughs> something like that. And I did get my new favorite word in Bimbai. Bimbai. So, <laughs> that was just oh. When the, when the way they write Diane isn't, isn't enough when you need yeah, to pluralize. I just I she always has just such thoughtful lines and you know reading the young book and and then she's like oh it's this is a funny book and but yeah that oh yeah the which one of these Bimbai that I wrote that down <laughs> that and, and the poor man's Pensacola those are great lines. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was good. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, just a fun little two-parter. Um, yeah, and, and John, I'm I'm glad that you wanted to talk about these because it's I, I love it when first just when I'm talking to a new guest about you know something that we we both have this common interest in, but also especially when somebody's like, hey, this episode really meant something to me, or or I, I have like an affection for this one. When when guests approach me with that type of thing, that's when I really get excited. So. I appreciate it, man. Like I said, it's show means a lot, and uh, I wish I had time to do more shows, right? Like, I'd love to do a night court show, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things I'd love to do, because I, I, I just, I, I'm such a I'm such a fan of these things. I don't, I don't know, do you listen to Hollywood and Levine? I, I haven't listened to it yet, and, okay. and I've, I've got guests who have, who have talked about Ken yeah. Levine's blog and his podcast before, and, every, and it's, it's one of those things where I always appreciate when somebody brings me information from that, but I kind of think 
I don't want to get too close. I don't want to listen to other Cheers podcasts or other people give me well, too much information because I don't want that to necessarily affect the way I listen. I would approach. Well, this I show. would. I would say this. He doesn't really necessarily talk about Cheers, mm. and it really is more his his background and history as a writer, and not even like he just had Debbie Gibson on his show for crying out loud. Oh. So it's not a. It's not necessarily <laughs> you know. It's more about the entertainment industry. Yeah, and he and he's such a thoughtful guy and. and has had a really, you know, varied career, was a baseball announcer and did a lot of other things beyond writing. So I, I would I would I think you would enjoy it strictly from the Hollywood standpoint mm. and the fact that, you know, again from entertainment and listening to him interviewing movie critics or other writers or comedians and all these different people he has on, you could always skip the cheer shows because there're not a lot of them. You mm-hmm. know, it's not it's not really a a, a look back at his at his history, and we're talking about Ken Levine. For those who aren't familiar with Hollywood, and Vine. Yeah. Uh, it's it's re- more more about uh, other things. You know, he was a playwright. And he talks a lot about plays and the, does other things. But anyway, I I would recommend that to you to check out sometime just to yeah. to listen, hear some of the stories that he has because they're they're really really entertaining. Yeah, I think maybe maybe I will when I get the chance. Definitely. So thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. So. Uh, for those who want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere, where else can they find you, John? Absolutely. If uh, you're into human resources as a profession or as a hobby, I can't imagine that. But if you were, uh, you can find my show, the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast at hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com or any any of the platforms you may be listening to, to this show. Or if you're into 80s properties, Star Joe's Podcast, Star Wars to G.I. Joe, everything in between. The Force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle, and you can find that show at StarJoes.com. Love it, love it. Thank you very much for being on the show again. Thanks to all of you out there who listen to CheersCast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website FireAndWaterPodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack, and Ashford Wright from the Right On Network who sponsor this show. For more information on how you can support this or your other favorite shows on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Coach, don't answer that phone. We both know, like you do, that it's Irene, but why not teach her a lesson? No, Diane. She was thoughtful enough to call. Look, look, honey, let me do the talking. If I hear your voice, I might change my mind. You're better off with the rich guy. I realize that even if you don't. Now, look, we had some good times. Just take care of yourself, huh? I hope she understands. Coach, wait a sec here. Um, <laughs> did you actually hear her voice on the phone? I didn't have to, Sam. It was her. <laughs>